Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to the City of Joe Show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And we are your hometown team. We are here on Between the Whistles, Detroit Sports Network, Detroit's fastest growing sports network. That is true, but we got to talk about the other sports media outlets. Yeah, and the cult of personality that's going on with that. Yeah, I think I, I you mentioned this to me when we came in, and you're like, listen, like I don't understand, like... First of all, you have Jared Goff's uh, girlfriend. She's watching the end of the game, and it's, it's somehow national news. Yeah, I don't get that. I mean, I understand what they're doing, but it's pathetic. It really is, because I'll tell you, you know, the only reason they're interested in what this woman on the other side of the country mm-hmm. thinks about the first Detroit Lions win. What? Hold, save it, save it. She has nice boobs, <laughs> and she has a nice ass. That is, that is the only reason why. Well, I wasn't going to say listen, that, Joe. Listen. I wasn't going to say well, that. Well, as far as this, like, it's like, why do some of these sports media outlets hire these women? And I say women because obviously I'm doing a podcast with a woman, so I can say this right. without getting slapped. But like, but, there you go. Take uh, care of uh, that. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm good. Listen, it's like it's like when you see a, a girl, a, a sports center, right? And she's wearing this skimpy skirt, right? You know exactly why she's wearing it like that. Right. Well, that's the thing, you know, because what I, I wondered, you know, I, I'm, I'm perusing, doing my um, show prep, and I'm seeing, you know, the Detroit News, the Detroit Free Press, the New York Post, they're all talking about the reaction of Jared Goff's girlfriend, and they happened to mention she was on a beach shoot at the time. Now, you and I, you know that, you know, I, I modeled this modeling in my younger years, right? So I, I get it. But the thing of it was is, I'm wondering to myself, it couldn't help but think, would they be interested in what this woman thought if she was like an accountant? Like, would they... A nurse. A nurse. With, with, you know, an an attorney. Would they be going into court to say, yes, how do you feel about this win, you know, while she's, you know, making her argument or something like that? I mean... The fact is that they are only interested in what she thinks mm-hmm. because she takes some of her clothes off for a living. You know, she's a bikini mm-hmm. model, and God bless her for that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not downgrading that at all. But the reality is that's the only reason they care about what she thinks. And uh, quite frankly, I don't care what any girlfriend or spouse of a professional athlete thinks of their performance. Well, we dealt with that before with Kelly Stafford and her Instagram, uh, her Instagram going off like. And then, like, you know, she threw a pretzel at a fan. Like, why do people, like, the only reason they, they care is because these media outlets will put her face on their thing because she's a cute blonde. And that, you know, oh, my God. Like, there's probably people that are like, oh, my God, she's so freaking hot. But she's like, okay. 
like, okay, like I don't care. I'm not really, I'm not really interested in that. See, the problem with the media with up now nowadays is they're so rooted in clicks and hits and like none of it is substance, right? Right. It's like, all that that digital environment. It's it's like it's, yeah. It's like it's sports media is slowly going into your realm of your career where it's like the politics. Like right. Soon we will have splitting arguments on each of the stations, and we know which one will be like CNN, and we know which one will be like Fox News. Right. Because they both are owned by the same company. <laughs> Isn't that something? Talk about hedging your bets, right? You know, yeah, same like, thing. Like, like we know, we know what's happening, and we sure. know, and we know some by some of the, we uh, when you watch some of those shows on there, like if you watch a show on Fox Sports, right, you you get a little bit more. Sporty stuff, right? But you don't get like you don't get like breakdowns of you know matchups. You get breakdowns of like LeBron's baldness or something like that. <laughs> or you know right. you're on ESPN and they're breaking down how LeBron's uh, hair on his leg is standing up. It's like okay, guys, like we know. Can you just move on to something else that is like a substance that will give me something? Well, we had to wait three days for them to talk about the fact. That Jared Goff was the offensive player of the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, really? So we're more concerned about the color of his girlfriend's bikini and, as you pointed out, what's in that bikini. The boobs, um, ass. We're more concerned about that because that's what sells. That's what gets the clicks. That's what gets the attention. Rather than the fact that Jared Goff has done somewhat uh, something to redeem himself. And we'll talk more mm-hmm. about that in the Lions segment, right? But um, I thought that the sports media was cheap. Yeah. Um, by talking about that, one of the other articles I, I read, again, more cheapness. Um, you know, I mean, come on, these guys are phoning in. Get, get, get it together, guys in the media. They're talking about Sheila Fordham and her reaction with Dan Campbell to their uh, celebrative, you know, celebration victory mm-hmm. and um, how they thought that, you know, that that was cheesy and, you know, yeah. that they had to criticize that. Well, really, that's all you got, guys, out of that game? I mean, it had to be one of the most dramatic endings of an NFL game this season, you could argue. But yet, that's not what they're talking about. Right, Joe? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not. Like, the, it's it's funny because, like, you know who the person I'm talking about. But, you know, there's once a person that says, you are fake news. That is exactly what the sports media is becoming. Fake news. Like, like, like Aiden Hutchinson, right? He's a great player. He's a great player, no doubt about. It. But like, like the Heisman hype that started to come around after the Ohio State game was a little bit like you knew what was happening, right? Like, and this goes to show that like some of the people in the media who vote for the Heisman are a bunch of freaking idiots. <laughs> like they are a bunch of idiots. You talk about. I've come across one or two of those in the media in my career. I have. I, I bet you came across a lot of them. Sadly, it's the, the norm. The, the reality of the situation yeah. is most of these guys don't know their head from their ass. And they only get a journalism degree because they can't do anything else but, like, critique shit that they don't even know. Like, I can't tell you how many times you go on a website and they go, Oh, well, Kenneth Walker only got 56 yards in against Ohio State. Maybe less. They, they didn't get the yards right, and they didn't say that. Mention the, they didn't mention that he was hurt. Like he was hurt. Why let the facts get in the way of a good story, Joe? Don't you know that? Because it's a PR <laughs> machine. That's right. It's a PR machine. Right. Like 
Michigan sucks. Okay, so that's why Aiden Hutchinson is going to Heisman, and that's why C.J. Stroud is going to Heisman. You really think you? Then they threw a Pittsburgh quarterback in there because they're like, we got to make this look as as easy as we could. We're just gonna throw this little Pittsburgh quarterback in there, and then we have Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama, the three biggest fan bases, but. The best players aren't really on it. Like, I, yeah, there's you know Aiden Hutchinson on there, but like, name uh, Willie um, Anderson, he had just yeah. as good as numbers as Aiden Hutchinson, and he didn't get the vote. Why do you think he didn't get the vote in there? Because if they would have gone two, and they would have said, okay, we're bringing another Alabama person instead of Aiden Hutchinson, well, then it turns off one portion of the fan base that will tune in on Saturday night this weekend. Well, and I don't think many people are going to be shocked by. The concept that the media uh, has an agenda. Right. And the sports media, the same thing. What's disappointing to me is I'm going to call on the sports media. Come on, guys. Let's get real about this. Let's talk about things that matter. Let's set that aside. And let's talk about the real competitiveness in sports. I'm not, let's you know, talk you, about you, analytics. You, let's talk about things There's that something that we're known for but between the whistles, Detroit Lions, News, and Ice Cream. Yeah. There's one thing we're known for. It's having great substance in what we post. A lot of these that's true. A lot of these a lot of these media companies nowadays, they just post garbage to get clicks. We're not one of them. We have never been one of them, and we won't be one of them because that's dishonest to the people who want to learn about stuff. Not just like you can't just you can't have it both ways. Like people are just they always want to be proven right. Or they always want to be. They always want to make this agenda because they have another agenda. Like, well, that's it, and then they craft the narrative. Like, and this happens in politics too. Like you were saying, you there is a guy. Out. There is a guy. Yeah. There is a guy you know. I know you know this guy. His name is Mitch Album, but we all call uh, him. Yeah. We all call him Myth Album because he's a liar and a and a, and a, hmm. and a fake. When Mel Tucker got his contract extension, oh, it's risky. Oh, it's risky. Listen, if that was Michigan's coach, do you really think he's writing that article? Hell to the no-no. I didn't see him. I didn't see him write that article about Jim Harbaugh when he yeah. got paid. Yeah. I didn't see him write that article about Jawan Howard getting the job at Michigan. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. But because he wrote a book once about Michigan, you know, he has he can't go against the crusade. You know what I'm saying? That's what it is. Well, I, mean, I think just the, the bottom line of it is that the sports media has got to do better. And I think we as fans deserve some conversation. We deserve some something better than boobs in a bikini. I mean, come on now. get get That was really a low point, I felt. Um, you know, and, um, you know, she's probably a very, very nice girl. She's probably very bright. There's probably a lot of great things about her. But the fact of the matter is she had no place in that conversation about the Lions winning on uh, last Sunday. She just, she had no business and no right there, no uh, place to be in that conversation. She didn't put herself there. The media put her there. And I think it's, you know, come on, guys. Pretty cheap. Pretty cheap. Let's do better. We can do better. Uh, here, here, here. I got something. Siren. Siren. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to someone in a pro sports organization earlier today. Earlier today, I talked to him. He was like, listen. He's like, you don't even understand. We're getting so sick of the media 
being there. And he's like, he's like, when I'm not gonna tell you who, but he said a certain player was, you know, had had a diagnosis, and they kind of they kind of already had penned the articles of what, where he was before he got it. And then it was a false positive, so they couldn't write the article. And that's basically what it came down to. And he's like, he's like, why do we tell these people stuff? Like, what if they if they're already penning an article trying to point an agenda? Why 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 are we gonna tell them stuff? Yeah, because they're not they're not about them uh, in terms of they're not about the sports teams. They're not about the players. They're about themselves, and they're about you know uh, selling subscriptions or getting those clicks or selling advertising or whatever. They're, it's all about selling the message, and they're going to craft whatever message is going to sell. And that may not necessarily be the truth, and it may not necessarily be substance. It's going to be the fluff, and it's going to be all that stuff. So, um, got to tune into Between the Whistles here, and you're going to hear more in our upcoming segments. We've got three really good ones lined up for you with the Lions, the Pistons, and Red Wings today. Yep. You're going to hear some good stuff, and you know we got people. We will not be like the rest of those dumbasses and we will actually give you uh, real stuff because you people deserve it you bet this is between the whistles detroit your hometown team welcome to the show i'm joe i'm cindy and this is between the whistles detroit we are town team and last sunday someone did bite the dust and for once it wasn't the lions amen to that it's about dig on time but you know what when when we we were I was you know I was on YouTube and I had those automatic videos like playing and there's a certain network or whatever the hell they're called and and they usually they're comedy hour I say comedy hour because they usually say the dumbest shit that I can't even understand you know what it is because they all want to be us Joe they all try to be funny they all try to be competent and they just come off not well you, here's the thing though. Like, I've listened, I, first of all, I would never click on the video. It just automatically played, right? Of course, yeah. So I'm like, okay, like, I, I'm, I'm going to, Terry, you know, there's, there's a guy on there I like. I, I think he's pretty good. I think there's another guy that's pretty good, but he's not on the show right now. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'll listen to this because, you know. But there was this one guy, right? This one guy. He's like, well, Lions won so they can get that out of the way and they can start losing. And I'm like, okay. Either way. If they lost because they lost because they were playing, they're they're bad. Fine, I can live with it. If they won because they were actually hitting their stride, that's more of a, something that I'd be like, okay, that's good, that's good. But but you know, Lions fans, and I, you know, a lot of Lions fans are great people. They're amazing people. They're resilient as hell. They're, that's for they're sure. Resilient. They. They deal with a lot of garbage, but they have never dealt with a competent front office. Like, like in Detroit, like in Detroit, we have one team that has shown that they, for about thirty years now, that they can be competent and make the right picks. Not when they're just picking first overall or in the top ten, but when they're picking regardless, they yeah. make the right picks. They do the right things. They don't yeah. have to. Uh, they don't have to go back and and be like three years from now they go. Oh, we're in another rebuild. We're rebuilding again. We're be it's rebuild city over here. We don't we're just rebuilding. Like they don't do that. And it, it's like the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Why do they always win? Because they pick the right players at the right you know, they pick the right players. Not just in the first round. They don't have they don't have a top ten, ten pick most times. They pick them in the second round, the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round, 
the sixth round. What does the what do the Baltimore Ravens do? They do the same damn thing. The Patriots. Yeah. They had a top fifteen pick for the first time in eons, and they picked a guy Mac Jones, and they absolutely killed their draft. You know, I don't think Lions fans are aware, but there are seven rounds in a draft. Like you, you do realize that, right? Like right. there, you know, I was told because we have connections in the business, right? I was told by someone in in in, in the sports realm who was in the front office, and he told me the exact words: "You should make your first round pick every time." Will you hit on every 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 pick? No, you won't. But will. If no, you, even the best GMs, they say, you know, if they hit 30% of the time, right. that's considered successful. But in the first round, they should hit 70% of the time. Because yeah. Because that's, that's the way it is. That's the way it's predicated. And then you get the second, your seventh round, or, you know, how many rounds are in the, the you know, baseball has like a thousand rounds, so it doesn't right. really matter. But, like, like, I just don't understand. Like, like the Lions fans think the draft ends in the second round. You know, the, the guy who caught the touchdown pass, he was a uh, fifth round pick and I'm Ross St. Brown mm-hmm. okay the guy who has been making strides as a running back in Jamar Jefferson seventh round pick yeah you know for the first time in your life probably you've had a you, you've had a GM hit on every one of his picks where every one of his picks is playing meaningful playoff playing time and he's making plays like you got Levi Anzarike when he plays 15 snaps he has five he has three passes defended in all three of those games Well, I'll tell you, you know, the the particular network that you referenced, they're not the only ones in the Detroit sports media who are promulgating this whole notion that the Detroit Lions should somehow engineer the rest of their season in losses in order to get the benefit of having the first overall pick. And what I would submit to people is this, you know, that does not make a team, that does not guarantee success And in no way, I take offense to this, Joe. I take offense to this whole concept that we're going to engineer losses. We're not going to bring 110% in order to gain some, you know, advantage in the business end of the, of, of our organization. I, I don't understand that. Heck, all you have to do to prove that that's not a good idea is, you know, let's look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. How's that working out for them? Right. Um, you know, they had the first overall pick, supposedly a generational talent, right, in Trevor Lawrence, right? He was the golden boy last year. We couldn't hear enough about Trevor Lawrence. Well, I wouldn't say that he's done a whole lot to contribute to the success of, of that team. And even if he did, one guy isn't going to make it happen. So I take offense to that whole idea, that whole notion. I read about it as well in some of the other print media, and uh, I'm not on board for that. I mean, if you're going to bring it, you bring 110%, right? I mean, when you're a kid. Let me ask you this, Joe. When you're playing peewee football or whatever, does your coach come to you and say, hey, you got to bring 110%? And lose except, Yeah, but lose. Because, you know what, that means that uh, I'll have an advantage in some other way. Of course not. You never hear a coach say bring less than 110%. Either way, either way that the the teams, um, you know, if they start winning at the end, right? If the Lions start, they, they read off four wins. And they have five wins total, and they slip to like seventh in the draft. Okay, I'm not mad because there's no guy that in the, at the top of the draft that goes, okay, maybe this guy can be a generational guy. There is no generational guy. And if you're asking me, like, okay, when you're the Ravens, right, and you're picking seventh, yeah, and you pick up a guy called Simon Evanson, and that's th- right, that guy is he would slip to the seventh pick, 
and you got him, and he's budding into a star right now. You know, TJ Watt slipped to 20 for the Steelers, and they picked him up. Like, you can get talent. Your general manager's job is to find the talent, okay? Your general manager's job is to find the talent and pick the talent. You know, a lot of times what people misunderstand is they go, if we get this guy, that means that we're going to win. You know, for a while, the Lions have they had top five picks for about four consecutive years, and they didn't get them nothing. They didn't win a playoff game. They didn't win a division. They got close in Dallas, but they lost. They lost. They didn't score. They scored zero points in the second half against the Cowboys. Say what you want to say about the penalty. The penalty that was at the end with the Baron Pettigrew. They lost because they didn't score in the second half. If you don't score, you don't win. It's like if you if 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 you don't try to make. You know, if you don't try to make a move on a girl, you're not going to score. <laughs> well, you might score, but she may not be worth it. Let's put it this way. You get what you pay for, right? <laughs> okay, if you if you don't have to make a move towards a girl, you're, you, it's, uh, it's either you're, you're you're with Big Bertha or she has herpes. So you're going to be end up with herpes. So, the, so be, better to be better to not get it at all than get herpes. Is that what I'm understanding right, right, from this? Yeah, right, exactly, gotcha, right. gotcha. Basically, what okay. Lions have been for about... Uh, like 10, 15 years, <laughs> is they've been the herpes too. They've been, and like they're like, oh Matthew Stafford, oh Nick, oh Nadano Kinsu, oh Calvin Johnson, right, right. We're gonna win something. <laughs> Why didn't they win nothing? Because they didn't do nothing in the second through seventh round. Pick you can go year after year and go, oh that guy sucked, oh that guy sucked, and you go down the Pittsburgh Steelers and you go, that guy plays, that guy plays, oh that guy plays. Oh, that guy plays. Like, meaning good organizations, you know, say what you want to say about the Fords. The problem with the the Lions has always been, and will always be until it's changed, is the general manager. The rest changed until they got Jim Davilano. They didn't change until Jim Davilano taught Ken Holland how to do it. Then Ken Holland taught Stevie Y how to do it. And then he comes back from Tampa on Angel Wings and goes, It's all right. Stevie Y is here. The Iser plan is here. That's right. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Darren Brett. says it all the time. Darren McCarty will say, that's the thing with Stevie Y is that, you know, you just know. was When, when Stevie Y came back, you just had this feeling. Everything's going to be okay. But you can see Brett Holmes in yeah. his first draft. You can see that everything is going to be okay. Because yeah. the draft that he had in the first year was better than any draft ever. And it's not just draft. The best player that he got in that draft was an undrafted free agent. His name is Jerry Jacobs. Yep. He's up yep. the ladder right now in, yeah. in, 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 in a ball hawk percentage. He's, all the analytics, they're favoring him. because And he's on draft free agent. And another guy that you got that's been playing meaningful playing time, A.J. Parker, also on draft free agent. When have you ever heard the Lions getting a guy like that in, as on draft free agent? You haven't. Yeah, you have The thing is that I think it also goes to the – concept that was promoted by Joe Gibbs, you know, famous Washington mm-hmm. Redskins coach, former Washington Redskins, right? Um, yeah. But it's, Joe it's Gibbs. A, it's, a, it's a WTF now. Right. Washington <laughs> football team. <laughs> right, right. Um, Joe Gibbs always said that I'm looking for the right players, not necessarily the best players. Right. And that and that is indicative of exactly what you're saying there. You have a lot of these guys, they come in, but they weren't the right guys. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. So this whole idea of going for this first overall pick and uh, you know, you wanna you know underperform, you've got this engineered underperformance in order to gain, you know, a, a better draft pick. 
Yeah. That is such a short-sighted and very narrow-visioned view of what makes a successful football team, organization. I don't care what it is. Joe Gibbs knew it. You know it. I know it. We've both been very uh, successful with successful organizations, whether it be campaigns or companies or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Between the Whistles Detroit, right? We're like going off the charts, right? right? Successful. It's about having the right people around you. It's about having the right ingredients, not necessarily the best ones, because um, the best are not necessarily the best you for don't know your they, organization. You don't know if they're going to work as a team. Exactly. And exactly. you know the thing about it though is like, I laugh at this. Like, I laugh at this. It's like people be like, I think they should draft a quarterback with the the, the first round pick uh, with the uh, Rams pick or a second round pick, and I go okay. You do realize the hit rate on those those are very very low, right? Like for every uh, every uh, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, there is Kyle Luletta and Nathan Peterman and, and, and a bunch of uh, guys that can't throw a beach ball into the ocean. Right. But you want to you want to go there. Yeah. I always tell people. You know, we told we, we told I told you last year, and you were like, "Oh, but Jeff Blaschel needs to be fired," ah. and I was like, "Oh, Cindy, just, just calm down. It's gonna be okay. This is a rebuild. You gotta go through the motions. It's gonna be brutal, but you come out on the other side and you go, okay. After the draft, after the free agency, you kind of can start to formulate what you're doing. You know, in hockey, it's a little bit different. You have to wait a couple years to get to that point. Yeah, NFL is like." Right off the hop, you could turn into something if you pick the right players. And you can see with the Lions that they are picking the right players and they're picking the right players that match their mindset and match their organizational philosophy. And that's the most important thing because that has never happened with the Lions. Well, let's hope that they are able to take this win against Minnesota. And I, for one, want to see them win every single game for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they're going to be facing the Broncos here coming up. And, you know, I don't know what what the chances are here, but I think they are going to be far better served mm-hmm. and the fans are going to get far more of what they deserve to see Lions victories from here on out, help boost that. So uh, they're boost that energy, boost that momentum, moving into next season, moving yeah, into the draft and all of that. There is, there's people there's who, more benefit to that than there is with this getting the first overall pick. Because there's no... there's okay. I know there's a lot of Michigan fans that follow us, and that's that's fine. But like, we it, love you, Michigan fans, good, even though I'm a Sparty. As good as Aiden Hutchinson is, okay, it's not like he's a generational talent. Okay, there's generational talents that you're like, okay, maybe if we are bad, that'll be good. Okay, maybe that'll be good. Like when you were when you're bad and you get a guy like LeBron James, or you're bad and you get a guy like Connor McDavid, or you're bad and you get a guy like Peyton Manning. Okay. That's when it, it's good. But when you got guys that are kind of, like, close to each other and, like, there's not much separating them, you don't know what they are, that's when the GM has to do his job and to evaluate the talent and make the decision, the right decision, not just the one that the fans want, but the right decision for the organization as a whole. Absolutely. you got to have that executive-level 30,000-foot uh, view of things mm-hmm. in order to affect your bottom line into affect your at the end of the day affect your your ranking at the end of the season. So I think that we've got a good GM yeah. uh, in the Detroit Lions uh, that will make that happen. And before we before we end on it because yeah. because we got to go talk about some 
garbage team after this distance. <laughs> Before Dan Campbell won this game, yeah, people are saying that he should be fired in year one, right? He's not he's not fit to be a coach. If he don't win a game, people are going to say the same damn thing. If he wins a game, people are what, what are they going to say? Oh, we're he's screwing up our draft stock. Lions fans are the most like I don't understand the Lions fans sometimes. Like, just learn off your teams that are successful. The Red Wings, you know, the Tigers in some portions. Right in the eighties, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the the Pistons for when when with the going to work Pistons, how they formed that team that was not a bunch of all stars, but it was it was guys that worked hard together. Look at that, you know, they they, they botched a they botched a pick where they could have got Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, but they picked a farmer in Darko Milicic, and. They still want a championship, so it, it can be done. You gotta have the right GM who can get the, evaluate the right talent and get the right guys in. It doesn't matter what round they come in, just get the right guys. Getting the right guys is critical, and uh, I think that we're on the way to getting some of those right guys with the Detroit Lions. I was excited to see him win, and I want to see him keep winning. Let him get a couple of draft classes. Let him get two draft classes in, because when I say this, you know how I feel about Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. The boob squad. Back to boobs. It's always back to boobs with you. Well, we were talking Jared Goff and his, his girlfriend with, you know. Right. Her, with, yeah, her, in the last bounce, segment. Her bouncing boobs. Right. And, and that's the whole reason why the media cares what she thinks. Right. Her bouncing boobs. Right. But we had a bunch of boobs in the front office and, and they weren't nice to look at at all. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and they have. The only boobs you don't like, right, Joe? <laughs> well, yeah. Exactly. And, and, and they, they gutted this team. Oh, boy. They gutted this team to where it looked like a, a, a expansion roster. So Brent Holmes got his work cut out for him. But I think he can get it done. And uh, He's already shown that he can get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. We'll see you on the next segment of Between the Whistles as we talk about the god-awful Pistons. Well, there's yeah. not a whole lot to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to that. All right, we'll see you in the next segment. See ya. <laughs> Welcome to Between the Whistles. We, I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And the Pistons have had about nine bad days. Well, actually, their whole season is a bunch of, bunch of bad days. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. Boy, you know, people have been talking about the Lions and how abysmal their season is and all this kind of stuff. But I think they're, you know, it's given the Pistons a little bit of grace because no one's talking about how bad they are. Oh, yeah. And I got to tell you, you know, we talked in the last segment about, you know, People talking about that the Lions have to keep losing so that they can get you know the first overall pick. Well, yeah, the boob squad. How how well did that work out for the Jacksonville Jaguars? How well did that work out for the Detroit Pistons? Now, Cade Cunningham has, has been outstanding. Yeah, no, he's, he's been good. Yeah. He's having a, a, a terrific year, but that's not making the team successful because and I will say this and I stand by it Joe one guy doesn't make it happen you need a whole team and we talked about that too but um the Pistons have got to get it together and one of the things if you you know I was reading in the media today uh in the the Detroit Free Press um Dwayne Casey was quoted as saying that uh, there's basically no experience here and there's no classroom for that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't teach what you learn through experience because experience matters. Does that sound familiar? Kind of like, I don't know if you're voting for a secretary of state, uh, experience matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, really, it does. And I can tell you that even in my industry uh, or in my profession, uh, absolutely experience matters. 
And the reason why it matters and why Dwayne Casey said it did, and that's a contributing factor um, as to why the Pistons have been unsuccessful or had such a rough time, is that when you're in those clutch plays, when you're in those situations where you've got to make a split-second decision, you're working off that intuitive nature. You're working off the, the, the cell memory. You're working off of this is what's you just do it. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. And so um, the Pistons don't have that. Right. So that's a that's a, a contributing factor, and I think Dwayne Casey made a very good point for that. So the question that I have for you, Joe, and there's another article that's out there as well talking about this, and I'd like to get your take. So if the cases we need experience, how do we get it? What potential trades, what potential moves can the Pistons possibly make and who can they bring to Detroit who will bring a veteran presence and that experience that Dwayne Casey's talking about? I mean, you'd have to make a trade because there's obviously no one on the free agent market that, you know, wants to come here with a losing team. So, I mean, you could tra- you could be involved in a trade where, you know, Ben Simmons goes to Boston, you send Jeremy Grant to Philly, and, and they and Boston sends Jalen Brown to um, the Pistons. It's, but that 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 that'd be a little bit you know that's a little bit uh, that's a that's a lot to take in. But I mean, obviously the Celtics want to move on from Jalen Brown, and obviously the the seventy sixes want to move on from Ben Simmons. But you know, it, I I just don't, I really don't know where you would go with to get experience in the season. I mean, you sign Kelly Olynyk and he gets hurt. I mean, I really don't know where you go from here. Well, you know, and the thing is, what do you think the Pistons can afford to give up? Because you know, one of the potential scenarios with getting one of these marquee players and one of these uh, veterans is that you may have to not only give up Jeremy Grant, but you might have to give up Sadiq Bay. You might have to even package up, you know, Killian Hayes with that. What do you think of that? Do you think that's too much to give up? Because some people would argue, Joe, that Sadiq Bay and Killian Hayes are in fact part of the nucleus of the rebuild. So I mean, I could see where you you would give something, take something that you might get more for, but I mean, just the reality of the situation is like I don't really know who would take Killian Hayes. I mean, he's he's really just a project at this point, and Sadiq Bay has had a pretty bad season shooting the three and everything. And I think you have some trade offers that you want me, which I don't. I'm probably going to go insane, but let's let's hear. <laughs> well, how about this? So here we go. So first trade brings Jalen Brown to Detroit. Okay, it's cool. For Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bay. Okay. Okay, well, first thing here is um I don't know the Celtics cap situation, but I I, I think you'd be giving up a little bit more that you could chew. I think if you got the Ben Simmons involved in this with the Celtics cuz they have interest in Ben Simmons, I think that could be pretty pretty crucial. Now, if you were sending Ben Simmons to Boston um and you were sending Jeremy Grant to Philly, and you sent Killian Hayes to Boston, I'd be okay with that. Okay, all right. Well, how about this one? Um, you know, we were talking about the Pacers. What What do you think about Miles Turner? And what would you be willing to give up for Miles Turner? Um, He's a good 3 and D guy. Like he, he can shoot the 3. He's a defensive player. But I really don't think the, Pac- the Pacers are going to make a trade with one of their rivals in their division. Yeah, I you know I'm wondering, you know, what the motivation would I mean, even be for that. I mean, would the Montreal Canadiens make a trade with the Detroit Red Wings? Probably not. Probably All right. Not. Would the Toronto Maple Leafs make a trade with the the Detroit Red Wings? No. 
would the Cleveland Indians or White Sox make a trade with the Tigers? Probably not, because they're, they're, they're division rivals, and you really don't want to see your division rival prosper. Well, you know, there's an argument that when talking about that and your in your rivals, and you know, what if it's a win-win situation? Then would you would you care that it's your rival? Because um, you know, maybe you can put that aside. You know, maybe, maybe the only way your rival would be okay with trading to you is if they know that they're getting over on you, and that's not a good situation to be in. Well, in you know, if not one of those potential scenarios, what are the Pistons' options? Because here's the thing. They may be put in a situation, and I think they're getting very close to that situation now, where they really are running out of options. I and mean, there's really not a whole lot of options for them to begin with. So it may be a situation where perhaps it's the best of the worst. I mean, well, this is the best we're going to do um, to even have a shot. And then maybe look at this maybe being more of a chess game. Maybe it's more of a long game instead of a, we're not going to realize benefits right now, but maybe we make a, a trade where it's a buy and hold situation where we can wait until the market changes and then capitalize on an asset that we've acquired. What do you think? I mean, yeah, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put two and two together, you know? Well, the problem for Detroit is that two and two is equaling five all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a problem for anybody. So so I think, you know, I, I definitely think that, again, the okay. Pistons are, are an organization. Here's the thing. We talked about this. We talked about it with the Red Wings. We talked about it with the Lions. Uh, when, you know, you finally have a great duo in a GM, a good GM and a great head coach in Dwayne Casey um, that are making – you know they are are they're in sync with each other, mm-hmm. and they should have a successful program. They mm-hmm. really should, but they don't yet. So what you know, Dwayne Casey is telling us that we need to get experience. He needs to have some veterans. He needs to make some changes because all he's got a lot of good talent or young talent that might be great two, three, four years. The reality is, don't expect a whole lot more anything different than what you're seeing from the Pistons until that gets remedied. Well, young, young players are going to be young players. Right. I mean, you got to have, you got to, you know, one of the things with the Lions this year, you know, that people uh, downplay is they're the youngest team in the NFL, you know? Like, they're going to make more mistakes than other teams because when you're young and you're playing in those situations that, like, you're playing in situations where it's high pace, it's fast pace, you really don't have a shot, you know, if you, if, if you make a wrong play at the wrong time, it, it could end up backfiring on you. But in the case, like, you know, the Rebbing is like, they have Cider, right? And he's he has the poise of yeah. someone that's been playing seven years. That's unusual. But, you know, the thing is with, with hockey, and, um, and you can argue to a certain extent baseball, but certainly hockey, is there's an opportunity for these young guys before they come into the NHL that where they can actually, you know, make their chops in – other professional organizations, yeah. you know, and other professional leagues. Um, so when they come to you, yeah, they might be young, right? Um, but the experience, again, the experience factor, just like Dwayne Casey's it's, talking it's, about, it's, they've already acquired some experience. It's just like, it's like, you know, baseball, all these teams in all these pro sports, they look at, they look at one thing, you know. You got to get younger, you got to get talented, right? But the one thing that teams don't really look at and there's a team that routinely does this, and that's why it stayed relevant for years, is the um, Pittsburgh Steelers in NFL. You mm-hmm. know, the reason that they are so good is because their culture is ingrained 
in the older players. And when the younger players come in, they get ingrained in that culture. You know, it's like with the Ruggins, right? Dylan Larkin was ingrained in the culture of being a two-way forward with Datsuk and Zetterberg. You know, he, when you're ingrained in that culture, that's how it's taught. You know, when you're the Pistons and you're a young roster, there's no there's no culture that you have. You're kind of building that culture. So not having a veteran presence on the team, I mean, it can come back to backfire at, at any time because there's no veteran presence that are – there's no leader that's a veteran presence. And I think that's exactly what Dwayne Casey's saying. He recognizes that. The good news is that Dwayne Casey recognizes the deficiencies in his program. He's, he's realistic about it. Uh, the question is, what's the path forward? How, how, do, they, how do they take care of that? Um, and that's what – we're going to have to wait and see what they can make happen. And, um, again, the, the young talent is great. I think perhaps, you know, Dwayne Casey is may have to adjust uh, to having a young – because young players have some benefit, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're fresh. They've got, you know, some of the, the physical – um, you know, quickness and ability and, and some of the things that the benefit of young players, they're also very moldable, uh, which is good too. But at the same time, uh, there's recognition that the veteran presence needs to be brought. So maybe Dwayne Casey can make some inroads um, just by tweaking up the, the, the approach a little bit. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, again, that's not going to, I don't believe, chain really turn a corner for the Pistons until – they get some of that experience Dwayne Casey's talking about. Yeah, I agree. I, I really don't think you can disregard, you know, the experience portion, especially when it's a team so young and basketball is a different game where, you know, you have to be an experienced team to, you know, have a shot. Let's see what they do. Yep. And next, on the next uh, segment of our podcast, we will be talking about the Red Wings and, uh, we have a lot to talk about with the Rebels. They've been playing pretty good. And last night they had a hiccup, but they've been playing a lot better than any team in the city. That's for damn sure. We will see you in the next segment. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And this is Between the Whistles Sports. Your hometown team and the fastest growing in Detroit. Now, you talk to someone. Because, you know, God bless the Rebels because... They are the only team in Detroit that has given us a little bit of... About time. Because, yeah. you know, what have we been saying for the last several seasons? We're rebuilding, we're rebuilding. Well, you know what? We're starting to see the benefits of that rebuild and Stevie Wise Iser plan. Well, you know, I think it's... um. I think what Stevie Wise has done is what other teams, you know, should... Um, they should do is like you know he's built this team to where they have so much um they have so much talent you know like they have a guy coming in and you know they have a guy that's going to be coming back they have a couple guys that will be coming back at the olympic break i'm sure i'm sure your guy mentioned one of them sure well, I, I can tell you what I found interesting is when we were having the conversation, uh, as you know, I was speaking with someone in the executive ranks over at the Red Wings, and um, 
you know, we were talking about, gosh, Mo Sider's outstanding, Lucas Raymond, um, you know, just all these guys who are producing. Uh, we talked about Simon Edmondson last week, you know, and what great potential we have coming up with him and how deep, really, if you look into the prospect pool of the Detroit Red Wings, uh, you can't help but get excited. Well, so uh, what was interesting is this particular individual, uh, they're, they're excited, they're happy, they have those guys, but... He, the player that has them most excited, and who could be the breakout player this year, is none other than Jacob Verana, uh, who we have not seen yet because he's been out with an injury and he's going to be back, as you said, after the Olympic break. And um, that's really who they're looking to be uh, their big breakout player for the year. And I found that shocking. And But hey, great company to be in. Uh, it's just that Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider and you know our other rookies are, are just performing so so well. Nedeljkovic has just been outstanding in net uh, is, in terms of how he's been performing and developing. So uh, Jacob Verana though is who they're looking forward to seeing here uh, to help the Detroit Red Wings uh, make a deep run into the playoffs. Well, you know what, Cindy, you talk to someone and I talk to someone. And guess what? That's what you get with between the whistle sports. You get. Inside analysis that you won't get anywhere else, especially from those other networks that you know claim to be experts, but they're really just boring pieces of garbage. <laughs> Listen, I talked to a guy. Okay, so maybe my people need to talk to your people. But what do your people have to say? My people. <laughs> it's like my brother. My brother. <laughs> my people say that you know getting. A guy like Verona Beck is absolutely huge. But what they did, really didn't expect to be where it is right now is Raymond and Sider, their development and their pro, you know, progress, the progression that they've made so quickly adjusting to the NHL and how flawless they really can be at sometimes. You know, obviously they have the rookie moments and everything. But, you know, this guy said, you know, coming this season, we thought, you know, if we could just tread water until we give Verona Beck, that could be good. Right? Yeah. But they're t- more than treading water. They're they're in a playoff they're race. They're making waves, they're in, baby. They're in a playoff race, and they're in a tough division. You know, it's, yeah. it's this this uh, this Atlantic division is not an easy division. You know, Tampa Bay, Toronto. I mean, you even got Boston. You got, you know, Florida and all those. Colorado, St. Louis. No, no, Colorado and St. Louis. That was last year's division. Oh, that's right. We changed yeah. divisions. That was a COVID year. That really was weird. Anyways... You know, you got Colorado, you know, you got, why did you just get that in my head, Colorado? Uh, How can you not think Colorado when you think about competition for the Red Wings? Only because, you know what, and it doesn't matter, Colorado could suck in the future, but, you know, and then you're like, oh, who cares if they beat them or not? I don't care. Every time we go up against them. I got news for you. I think, I think we will be meeting them in the Stanley Cup Finals pretty soon. Uh, I, I'll tell you what. Because if you look at the two teams. And their two general managers, they both wore the number 19, and they both yeah. played against each other, and they're two of the most respected players in hockey history, and Joe Sackick and uh, Stevie Y. Yeah. And it, those two teams, they have some studs. And not only do they have studs, but they have guys who are proven players. You know, they have a Nathan McKinnon. We have a Dylan Larkin and a Bertuzzi. You know, they have a mm-hmm. they have a, a Ratnan, we have a, a, a Jacob Verona. There's so many similarities, except they don't really have the goaltender that they really need. The well, and, I, do. and I'm not well, I'm not sure. I 
I think that, you know, Nedeljkovic is uh, just, he's exciting to me because he reminds me of Chris Osgood, and I told yeah. you that, you know. Uh, I just see Chris Osgood when I see Nedeljkovic, and I like, I think he's a creative goalie. I think he's, I think he's just, I've just seen some just brilliant plays of his. Um, his saves are exciting. I mean, to me, he's an exciting guy to watch. And, you know, we talked about them having a little bit of a hiccup here with the loss against Nashville, and look who was in net, you know, and uh, Thomas Grice was in net, and, and I think, he, you know, it, overall they had an off night. Let's mm-hmm. face it, the Wings had an off yep. night, but they had a tremendous stretch that's, coming in. That's going to happen. It's going to happen, and it'll be interesting to see what the Wings are able to do coming up. They've got a tough road a trip coming up here with with Colorado and St. Louis. Yep. Um, and let's see what they can accomplish on that road trip. And I say, if they can tread water during that road trip and maybe split those games, uh, I'm going to be. Or win both. Well, I'd love to see them win both, but I think that you know they're the apps are going to be tough for them, and uh, especially in Colorado. So. Um, I'll be happy if they they split it, but of course I want them to to win both. Um, we'll have to see what they can pull out of their hat here and see who's healthy and see if we've got you know is Burke going to be back? Mm-hmm. Um, He's got a couple more games to go, but he'll be yeah. back. You know, it's it's like it's like uh, with you know, like I was saying, like the the guy who was talking about you know division is it's tough. They're tre- they're they're doing more than treading water. They're actually making head the way, and you know the one one thing that he said about it is Nadalkovich is kind of like a, a, a Roberto Luongo. A different version of Roberto Luongo. He makes these acrobatic plays, makes saves. He's quick uh, across the crease. You know, when you're when you're when you're talking about uh, hockey players, especially a goalie, he's got to be quick across the net. Yeah. Know, that's that's one of the things that his, the elite goaltenders do. And the Dugovich has shown that he is one of those elite kind of. He he got the agility to be that top guy. Yeah. No, I I'm excited when, to see him play. Uh, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, the, the Red Wings' top six is rounding out very nicely as mm-hmm. it is. And you bring back Jacob Verana, you know, now now you've really got now, some options. Now you, take, now you take someone from the second line, put them on the third line. Yep. You're, yep. you're making this team way better. And I think one of the things that has made this team pretty better is is, is the fact that Verana isn't here. You know, yeah. when you're – you don't want to rely on someone. You know, everyone's had to pick up the slack. You know, now that Bertuzzi's out, now you're starting to see you know players that are picking up the slack. And Jeff Blasio alluded to this, and when he was talking to you know the media, is you know he's he has he has you know people get on Michael Rasmussen for his uh, his his point production, his production and goal, but you know Blasio even said like I really I'm not worried about the point production because he does so many different other things to help this team that his value is very very high. You know, he's playing the penalty kill. He's on the power play sometimes. He's in the middle. You know, he'll, he'll sometimes jump up in, into the front, the, the first line, because, you know, someone gets injured or something. You know, he, he says Rasmussen's a big part of the team. You know, everyone's had to step up and play better than they have, you know. When you get a Verona back, you you basically put someone down on the third line, and then you, you basically have a very good three-line system. And, you know, the best teams in the NHL are the teams that are deep. Yep. And that's all we talked about that last year from during last season. We talked about it at the beginning of this season or preseason about how important it was going to be for the Red Wings to develop that depth because they didn't have it. Yeah. They were very, very we were, shallow. We were worried about the depth. We were worried about the depth. Now, uh, I'm certainly not worried about the depth, most certainly not even in the, in the forwards, uh, but also I think where they've made tremendous strides is, you know, in their blue liners. Yeah. As well. You know, the, the defense for Detroit, I mean, obviously, Mo Siders played a huge, huge yeah. part of that. 
Um, but I think, you know, again, you've, you've got their veterans who are backups. The thing I like about what I'm you seeing... Know, it's, with... it's, you know, we've been asking for this for a long time, you know. Right. You know, a lot of people, you know, they harp on Danny DeKaiser, right? Yeah. You know, when Danny DeKaiser is asked to be a first line defenseman, I mean, you're really in a bad pickle because he's not that type of guy. I mean, but he can play those minutes, but he's... You really shouldn't put him up against it. Now, when you put him on second line and third line, he looks amazing. That's exactly what we were talking about last year was, you know, you had people that were harping on Danny saying that he should be traded, blah, 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 blah. You were talking about Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a big push in the fan base and among those who were really watching that wanted to get rid of the Kaiser. Yeah. It was Larkin, too. Larkin was the same guy. People were upset about him. But it's like, you know, and I told you, I was like, just get some talent around them. You You push them down, kind of, you know, you're... You gotta get talent around these guys because they need talent. They need talent around them. Like you know, it's it's all well and good to think that you know a guy who like Dan DeKaiser can come and play a first line, but that's not that's not logical. You know, yeah. you just you can't think it like that. You know, it's like Tory Krug. You know, Tory Krug is a great player. I love Tory Krug. He's a yeah. Livonia kid. Yeah, I, but, well, but, of course you love him for that. I like him too. He's a good old Livonia boy. He sure at, is. Like Cherry, right. like Don Cherry would say, and, right. and you know, it's like, but. He, him asked to be a top line defenseman isn't what he is. Right. You know? Yeah. And St. Louis is paying him like a top line defenseman. He's not really a top line defenseman. He's a guy who goes in the power play, scores goals. He's not a defenseman defenseman where he's great at the, in his own end. He's great on the offensive end, but you know, you don't pay him to be great in the offensive end when you're paying seven million dollars. And he's not good on the offensive end, but he is good on his own end. He's very he's been getting way better. He fills a hole. He yeah. really does. And I think the other thing that is encouraging that I see developing with the Detroit Red Wings is you've got some of these veteran players like the Kaiser, like Larkin, um, you know, like, yep, yep, the Stetcher, yep. You've got some of these guys that are stepping up and becoming foundational players, you mm-hmm. know. So they might not have all the flash. They might not necessarily be the guys putting up the points, although Dylan Larkin's doing well so far. I don't yeah. know if he's going to hit the 50 points that I'm expecting. I, he will, he will. You think so? I hope so. But I'm so encouraged by what I see with Dylan Larkin. I see him becoming the leader he needs to be, but he's becoming a foundational player to this See, this is what I was talking about last year when uh, people were getting on him. They were talking about, you know, Dylan Larkin needs to be traded. He's not playing up to his silk. You know, his point production went down. And I was like, guys, calm down. He is doing what he's supposed to do. If you just watched the game, you watched Dylan Larkin play, and he, you know, you watched him get better defensively. You know, the, the, the trick to being a good two-way player is to be good both ends of the ice. You know, Datsuk and Zetterberg, they were they were great players because of how they played on both ends of the ice. Yeah, they could score and they could play good, but, you know, the one thing with Larkin, you can kind of compare him to Zetterberg in a way because he plays the way that he is, he's an inspiring player for the team. You know, the, everyone on the team goes, listen, Larkin, when Larkin's gone, it's a different Because, you know, we told we talked about it in the last podcast was, you know, the, the Runnings do need another leader besides Larkin because if Larkin's not playing, they're a totally different team. Well, you know, but I understand the fr- the fans' frustration. I mean, you can see why people were frustrated. I, this, is, this is another this is another uh, fan generated media generated falsehood. You know, like this point production from Dylan Larkin. You know, there's more inside the game than just point production. You know, what does he do in his own end? What, you know, when you're not, like, the Red Wings were not a good offensive team last year. 
So they have to be better defensively in their own end because they know they can't score three goals. You know, I see Dylan Larkin becoming, he's becoming like Big Daddy. He's becoming the big daddy of that team. Mm-hmm. He really is. He's becoming, and I and I think that's great because that also sets himself up for you know perhaps a long and extended career here in Detroit and a very meaningful and productive one. So, but he's becoming the go-to guy for a lot of these younger guys coming in. He's not a very old guy himself. He's only in his mid twenties, mm-hmm. but yet he's becoming the big daddy, like almost I, like the Chris Chelios I, or the I, no, Steve Eisner. I think I think the person who told me this. And this this was a spot on comparison. When Stevie Y came in, Dylan Marker was he he kind of was he was called in the office, and this is what this is what Eisman wanted to see from Dylan Larkin. and he did see it from Dylan Larkin. And, 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 you know, especially with in, in in last year's play. You know, obviously fans weren't allowed to go to the 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 games because of COVID, but. You know, last year he, he was playing that way. He was playing a defensive game. He was getting better in his own zone. And that's what Stevie Y wants because that's what Stevie Y was. Stevie Y wasn't the flashiest player on his team. He was never the flashiest player on the team. But you know what he did? He he played the game so well. And then that inspired a guy like Z- Zetterberg and Datsuk and Lichstrom. They all played the same way. None of them were – the only one that was flashy was uh, Datsuk. That's because he could dangle the hell out of anyone. But, yeah. like, Lichstrom wasn't a flashy guy. He just played his game and played it the perfect way. But, you know, what? the other thing I've seen out of Dylan Larkin is I've seen a change in his attitude. His attitude, his tone, um, he's become much more calm. He's much more controlled now, disciplined, and more, more focused. I see a more focused player. I, in all of those areas, all those intangibles, we've talked about intangibles before, and I think you can make the argument that those, I think it's been those intangibles that Dylan Larkin has made such tremendous progress in that has translated into the tangible results that we're seeing on the ice this season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and that is probably the one of the most transitional changes and one of the most important changes that needed to happen in order for the Red Wings to take this to the next level and take this deep into the playoffs. And you know, the guy that I talked to. One of the things he did mention, and I'm, I want to get your thoughts on this too. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just think they could go to the playoffs. That's the, the the belief in the organization now, especially amongst like the the guys who are you know talent evaluators and all that stuff. And this probably echoed from the front office at Stevie Y. Is they think they can win playoff series. You know, how, how how amazing would it be if you go to the playoffs and you, you win a playoff series, you know? How 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 much does that set you up for the future? And then you got to think about it. Like, if you did win a playoff series, you have more talent coming. Yeah, absolutely. Like you have more talent coming. Yeah. And the, the Red Wings are in a good position. They're in the best position of any team in Detroit right now, by far. And it's because of the brilliant leadership and brilliant mindset from their general manager, CB Y. He's the 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 decisions he's made in the last offseason were absolutely perfection. Well, you know, he's my guy. He's always been my guy. You know how it is. It's kinda of like Tom but Brady. Think, think, Whenever you say Steve Eiserman, I get a little bit of a sigh. But think about it. Oh, think about it. You know he, I love him. He takes a third round pick. He's great. Takes a third round pick, Nadalkovich. Takes another third-round pick, Nick Lottie. Then he goes out, first-round pick, Simon Evanson. And all from all accounts from people, they think Simon Evanson could be, like, better than Mo Sider. 
I mean, if you if you can think, you only imagine you that. Think about that for, yeah, for a little buddy. bit. Yep. You're like, Whoa. right. That'll take you back a step or two. Um, you know, the thing is with the Red Wings and why. To your point, you asked me about what I think about them winning a playoff series. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and not just because of all the reasons that we mentioned, where we've got a lot of the right people in the right places, but. You go look and you get down into your third and your fourth lines. You've got guys like Nemesnikov, who is a bit of a sleeper. People didn't see that one coming, and you look at his stats are really off the charts. Yeah, or Murdy, and I wrote a lot of that too. Ex- exactly. So, you know, and, and I told you about Nemesnikov. I called that one out well before the season started that he was going to be, I felt, one of our breakout players, and he isn't given a whole lot of, again, not a flashy guy, but reliable. But listen, the reason. That this guy thinks that they that there's belief that they can go far in the play like they not far but they can win a player series or two yeah it's because there's a guy who people said why the hell is he on the roster he's not a good player he's not been a good player but from all accounts and there's people in other organizations that think the same there are teams that are kind of getting scared of the Red Wings because there's a guy on the roster that is becoming a very very physical force that they really don't want to get pissed off because they think of him as a guy who could literally kick the shit out of you. And that's Giovanni Smith. Like, the Giovanni Smith, the the echo from people in the league is like, you know, people are like, oh, you know, there's fans that were like, why is he on the team? Why is he on the team? He's on the team because he plays a physical element. He, he, he kind of, he is going to be what the people in the front office think is. He's going to be like a Darren McCarty. He's going to be like a guy who's a grinder, who what can score. He can score because he's sc- he scored lately. He but but he will play a physical game, and if you mess with one of his players, he will come off the bench and ch- try to get you agitated. And you know what? In, in this in this league, agitation can get you everywhere, everything. And I'm going to make two points with that. First off, is it's totally ironic because Giovanni Giovanni Smith Giovanni Smith. Is one hell of a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, that is one of the sweetest guys off the ice. I'll tell you what. It's it's kind of like Darren McCarty. You know, Darren and I are friends. You guys know that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Darren, Darren is just, you know, I tell him sometimes, Darren, he's just my little sweet pea. I mean, I just love he's him. He's such a nice guy, yeah. He's a, an absolute, he's adorable. I and love Giovanni, him dearly. Giovanni Smith. So is Giovanni Smith. Both, both, same way. Both of them are the same way. And they can, but, they, they can turn it on. They turn it on. And there you go. And that leads me to my second point. And that is, what were we saying all of last year? If the Red Wings had to make one change, if they had to do one thing differently, what is it? They need to get more physical. And look what's happened. They've become a more physical team. They have, you know, incorporated that into their program. And look what you've got. You've got a string of wins with a little hiccup here. But you see tremendous success by changing that element. And so there you go. And you know what? You know, say what you want to say, but Cider, Raymond, they like to play physical brand of hockey too. They're they're both pretty impressive when they play physical hockey, especially Raymond. I really didn't expect him to be a back checking go getter. Love both those guys. And Absolutely. Bertuzzi, love them. Bertuzzi, when he comes back, you know he's a, he's a little loose cannon with his his you know he likes to lay a body down. You know they're becoming more physical, and that's what you need, especially when you get to the playoffs. It's all about attritioning putting hits on the other players. Absolutely. And heck, look, we're talking about physical play. Look who came out of nowhere, Adam Ernie, with that one 
beautiful, that beautiful hit. Yeah. I mean, that was absolutely textbook. I mean, that was, I think they're going to be replaying that one until the cows come home. That the, was outstanding. The, the Rubbings are developing a little bit of a mean streak, and that's what they really needed to, to take them to it's the just like the Just like the bad boys. Yeah. Just like the bad boys. You, need, you, you need, may you, get that reputation. You, you need, you need you a bet. little... Every team needs a mean streak to become a champion. Every team has that that guy. You know, if it was when the Rebels were winning Stanley Cups, it was McCarty, Draper, and Maltby. When you know the Bad Boys won it, it was because they were a tough, physical team. You know, you can go throughout history. You know, Ray Lewis for the Ravens. You know, Tim Duncan and you know for the for the Spurs. Like, there's tough players that you play against. Like, they don't just play physical, but they send a message to you that it's not going to be easy. And that's what the Rebels are doing this year. That's right, and they've got it with more than one player. They've got everything. Definitely, they're on a trajectory uh, to be incredibly su- successful this year. One thing will be interesting to see, how deep do they go? How high do they go? And uh, I'm not ruling out a Stanley Cup run. You might be on to things. Okay, this has been a great show. And obviously, always. obviously, you can catch us on Apple now, Google now, Spotify now, YouTube now. And we will obviously be growing exponentially as we get more into this this uh, digital realm. I'm excited. Yes. This is Between the Whistles, your hometown team, your fastest growing sports network in Detroit. We will see you next week. Good night.